And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Fournier. Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. From the what? And he's coming live from the car in the Cape because it wouldn't be a Brad Stevens offseason without some more breaking news. Brad moves quickly. He trades Kemba Walker before anyone knew you could make trades. And he immediately signs the new head coach of the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka, the uh, assistant from the Brooklyn Nets. He was also assistant with the Philadelphia 76ers for a year and then had seven years coaching experience in the Greg Popovich system. Jay, what is your main reaction to the signing of Ime Udoka? From everything people say about him, He's sort of like a badass Brad. He has this a lot of the same values when it comes to basketball, a lot of the same values when it comes to relationship building, a lot of the same values with you know team building and everything like that. And and he's also a guy with NBA playing experience, known as a tough competitor throughout his time in the league, and and has that super competitive side, just like Brad did, but it, it wasn't always always shown um, it publicly. But yeah, I, I think he this is a, he's been building for this moment kind of for a long time. And if you look at the places he's been, first it was Greg Popovich. Obviously, that's a great dude to learn under for for a number of years. And then this this last year too, he took the Nets defense, which really had not much talent at all and i thought by the time the playoffs were were started like that team was a physical defense that team really really played hard and connected on on the defensive end and probably played above its its level defensively so i think there's there's some evidence there that that he's probably you know very very good defensive tactician at least 
it's not surprising to me that Brad would um, hire kind of a defensive focused coach just because that's what Brad is kind of known for when he was a coach. And it feels like that's the key to um, really being a solid team. And uh, it just, that seems to be what Brad values on the defensive end. And that's really what was so surprising about this year is um, how much the defense slipped. And so I think it's good that they're kind of going to return to the fundamentals and get uh, get a, a more defensive minded guy in there, just because I think that's like how you win championships and that's how you're consistent. That's how I think Brad was able to kind of coach less talented teams to overperform is that he always had a defense that was in the top um, five or 10 in the league. And I think that's just like what make what Brad Stevens values as a, a good basketball team. The other thing I think is important about this hire is that the Celtics top players, Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. And I think it's interesting that Marcus Smart was included in there as well, uh, but they all signed off on this uh, hiring because, and they all have experience um, playing for Udoka because he was part of the staff for that 2019 World Championship team, Team USA. And all three of those guys vouched for him. And it was the, it seems like from the reporting that that was the guy that those guys wanted. And I don't know, this is, this is a player's league. Your job as an NBA coach is to get your uh, superstars happy and get them um, playing at the best of their abilities. And I feel like hiring, going out and hiring their guy or the guy that they wanted is just a good sign for um, changing might, might have been bad vibes uh, from last season, kind of changing them and uh, making it positive uh, moving forward. Yeah. I think the, the bad vibes were primarily because, you know, they were 500. Nobody's losing. Yeah. The losing was. uh... And, you know, the, for the last, what was it? Eight years that Brad was there. The, the Celtics had a good coach. And some years, I think he was a great coach. A couple years, not as great. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it's important that Tatum and Brown and Smart are on board. And I do think the Celtics really valued those guys' opinion throughout this process and wanted to find someone who could connect with them. Because let's face it, a huge part of Ime Udoka's job will be to build relationships with those guys, make sure that those guys respect him, and bring them to another level, both as individual players and as lifting their teammates up, which I think is the the biggest factor for the Celtics moving forward is that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have to be the type of guys who lift up everyone around them and do it on a consistent basis. And the Celtics, they need to revamp the rest of the roster. They don't have tons of flexibility to do that, obviously, um, but... But this is a quick, quick and decisive start from Brad Stevens's first few weeks as president of basketball operations. He he moved quickly on Kemba, moved quickly on Ime, and you know I, I think this has a chance to be a pretty good hire. I think Udoka has a chance to be a, a a pretty good coach. And I think being young and being a former player is just important. Where uh, and if we we see it currently. Uh, with the final four teams remaining in the playoffs, three out of the four coaches, um, relatively young, former players who it seems like uh, everyone else respects and everyone on the team respects. And then the last guy is Coach Bud, who um, no one respects, and his coaching is uh, highly questionable. So I think it's it was important to get someone in there who I like, uh, who's young. I thought it was interesting that Udoka had a chance to kind of continue his playing career, maybe go overseas. Cause look, like you look at his basketball reference page, him as a player, 
really not that impressive. Uh, but he could have continued uh, playing in Europe, but he said, no, I want to get into coaching and decided to like go to the best place, the best organization uh, and start doing that at an early age. And he's still a young guy. Um, and so I just think it's like that's we've seen that just work uh, around the league where you have um, relatively younger coaches, uh, black coaches who are able to connect with younger black players. I just think that's an important thing and something the Celtics uh, clearly were trying to do. And so I just think uh, when we see what's been successful this year, it's not surprising that the Celtics have kind of followed that model. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily takes a black man to connect with black players like i think it's i don't think it's a necessary for, for condition but i think it's e i think it's easier I, i'm i'm sure in some ways um but it, it it definitely was important to the celtics to hire a person of color um for a long time now their front office especially the, the guys at the top of that front office it's been very white and and i don't know whether that matters to players um but i i do think it matters to the celtics to get some more diversity in the building to start bringing in different types of, of voices and, and different types of people. And so that definitely played a factor into the types of candidates that they were looking at. Um, and then I think finding a, a former player and, and, and Udoka's case, like he went through a lot as, as a, as a player, like he, he really had to grind his way into the NBA. He really had to grind his way to stay there. And I think that that those experiences and then seeing guys like Tim Duncan, seeing guys like Manu Ginobili, seeing guys like Tony Parker, just how they approach the game. And like all those experiences matter. All those experiences shape a coach. And when you look at the guys he played with, the guys he coached, the guys that he coached under, like there are just a lot of great minds that have kind of impacted him throughout the years. And he was on the staff during that 2014 uh, Spurs team, which is like, I think Brad Stevens will wax poetic about it whenever he can, about like the greatest offense ever. I don't know what his, that was only his second year as an assistant coach. I don't know how much of an impact uh, he actually had on that team, but it's just a great place to uh, learn and be into that, like that environment uh, uh, and just like take whatever lessons you get from Co Coach Popovich. I think his Team USA experience is good. I mean, he has face time with all of these stars and all of these players, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to lend itself like this immediate offseason, but I just think it's good that he's clearly was well-respected around the league with um, – all the organizations and players where it's like, that's the type of person where if you do want to recruit a third star, uh, having him at the helm will be extremely helpful moving forward. Yeah, it, it could be. Um, that could be the case, but I don't want to give him that much credit yet before he coaches a single game. Like, I don't want to say just because he was a on team USA, like that's a guy that, that everyone's going to want to go play for. Let's see. Let's see how he develops as as a head coach. I think, you know, obviously this this was one of the most intriguing jobs out there. And the Celtics targeted him. They they wanted him. And I think it shows a lot that that in a year with a lot of coaching vacancies, the Celtics like they, they moved first and, and they got Udoka and he was the guy that they wanted. So we'll we'll see how he does, but they obviously seem pretty confident that 
Udoka has what it takes to be, you know, a, a pretty good coach. I know this news broke probably like a half hour ago, so you might not have the answers, but you'll definitely have, be more informed than I am. What does this mean for the rest of the coaching staff? Uh, do you think it's likely that Udoka is going to bring in kind of his guys and it'll be up to him to kind of fill out the rest of uh, the coaching staff? Or do you know where that stands moving forward? I'm really not sure. Um, uh, when I have talked to assistant coaches over the past couple of weeks, they just kind of seemed in limbo. Um, they, they're not sure what will come next. When when Brad took over, he did keep some of Doc Rivers' assistant coaches. And I know that there are a number of assistant coaches that the Celtics really value. And obviously Udoka will have you know some power to at least to shape his own own staff maybe all the power to to shape his own staff but i'm sure some of those guys that are already on staff will be considered for positions and and maybe some of them will stay um it's it's an interesting situation because when doc left he, he took over a different job and took some assistance with him and some others brad kept whereas this time like brad just went to the gm and like he didn't he didn't go anywhere to take his coaches with him. So we'll see how many stay stay on staff. Um, I'm sure part of that will be up to Emei and, and who he connects with on the staff and who also, else he I wants mean, to bring in. I think it'll probably be pretty important considering that he's in his first year to get an a assistant, top assistant, with a lot of experience. You know, when, when Brad took over, he got Ron Adams, um, w one of the super highly respected assistants, who had been around the league forever, who had, you know, just just a ton of experience. And so I think it'll be important to have somebody like that on staff. And obviously, you know, whenever he wants, he'll have Brad upstairs to to bounce ideas off of and everything like that. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with um, Jay Laranega. He obviously was very close to, I think, getting the Hornets job uh, a couple years ago, and maybe he will be interviewed. Like, although I haven't heard his name as much, um, in kind of all these, uh, this coaching cycle, but he's someone who has kind of more connection with the roster. And um, I, it's just, he has the potential to be a head coach. It's going to be interesting to see what they, uh, what happens with him. Um, what do you think about the fact that Marcus Smart was consulted? Am I reading way too much into the tea leaves that like that's indicative of him getting an extension or being like with the team long-term? Uh, probably that would be premature. Um, but obviously they do value Marcus smart. They've considered him one of their core pieces for at least the last few years. Um, and probably since the time they drafted him. So yeah, obviously he's one of the guys for them. And, and as the roster is shaped right now, like it would go, you know, Jalen one, Jason two, and probably smart three. So yeah, they, they value him. I mean, I'm I it, I don't I don't know how this works with this whole reporting thing, but it's been reported that they consulted with three guys. I don't know why the Celtics would like mention specifically that they talked to Marcus Smart about it if he's not going to be in their future. I feel like Brad Stevens loves Marcus Smart, but maybe I'm just projecting my feelings about Marcus Smart onto Brad Stevens. But Marcus Smart's extension, I think he's extension eligible, so uh, that's a, like a big question. Shout out to the guy with the red bag behind you and the whip. Um, and it looks like a police officer, but uh, I just thought it was interesting that he was mentioned. Uh -oh. uh, Jay uh, King better watch out me. for illegally podcasting right now in his car down on Cape Cod. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Uh Anything else from the Ime Udoka signing um, before we move on to some uh, some a little bit of some Celtics nonsense and then uh, get out of here? Yeah, I think uh, one interesting link beyond the the Team USA thing is that he did coach Al Horford in Philadelphia. And, that did not go well, and so there's there's that connection too. That, that that did not go well, but it'll be a totally different situation. There won't be Joel Embiid playing center. There won't be Ben Simmons not shooting the basketball. There won't be, you know, there will be a lot of shooting and skill around Al, and and he'll be playing center, I assume, most of the time, if not all the time. So Udoka probably knows how to use him, certainly knows how not to use him after the way things went in Philadelphia, um, but that's another connection that he has. Like, he knows a lot of the Celtics – important players pretty well which which i think should help him establish bonds right away um and and i'm sure you know i i don't know if they valued horford's opinion since they just <laughs> picked him up you know a, a few days ago um but you know that he does have relationships with with a lot of those guys and they all respect him i like that he was in philadelphia for that uh horford and bead season because he should know that a two big lineup would not work because Brad Stevens mentioned the idea in his last press conference of playing Al Horford and Tristan Thompson together. And I think you put it very eloquently in your article uh, writing about that possibility. I think the question was, will these lineups work? And the answer was no period. It was just very, uh, I thought that was a guy straight to the point. I don't think, I don't like the idea of Horford and Thompson playing together. Um, maybe it's uh, something you do out of necessity of the current roster construction, but that's uh, going to be Udoka's decision right now. Uh, and maybe his, him seeing that Al Horford at power forward uh, was not the greatest 
uh, maybe he'll avoid that movie uh, as the Celtics progress next year. And I think there might be some sometimes to use that. Like if you're playing Giannis and the Bucks, then it could be pretty useful to have Al Horford on Giannis while Robert Williams is helping off Brooke Lopez and, and providing that layer of rim protection against Giannis. So I, I think there are some some matchups where that could work. And I think Horford is definitely better suited to play the four than Daniel Tice was this past season because he's more skilled, because he's a better playmaker, because he's a more willing shooter, all of the above. Um, so I I don't think it'll work a lot of the time. I think Al Horford is pretty much a center at this stage of his career. But I won't be surprised if there are certain scenarios where they lean on that and and it could be helpful. I think the the final question that we have to ask is, does Brad Stevens just value um, handsomeness? I mean, his first two moves were to bring in Al Horford and Ime Odoka, two very handsome men. The, the I knew team you'd just go got there. a lot. I knew you'd go there. It's literally my personal brand, uh, but the team got a lot better looking in the first two moves. I'm just, I'm not complaining about it. Also, you have to give Ime Odoka a lot of just credit and respect because he's dating uh, Nia Long, and uh, she's also wife. quite they're attractive. Not just, they're not just dating. Not just yeah. dating. It's his wife. Uh, so that respect to Ime for uh, his coaching career and his uh, career off the court. Now, um, before we go, there has been some um, Celtics nonsense. I didn't tell Jay that we were going to talk about this, but did you see the report that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't like each other and that somehow is going to it impact It was not a report that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't like each other. Was the report. Set me straight. It was here. a report that they just aren't best friends but do like each other, which is oh, yeah, I think, well, that seems known by everyone. Yeah, that was from Jeff Goodman, right? I saw, I saw the clip. And I just saw the tweet from WEEI where it's like these guys hate each other. No, no, it's it's not at all. That's that wasn't at all what Goodman was saying. He was saying they like each other. They're just not best friends, which I think everybody kind of knew from the beginning. Like that that's not news that they're not like best best friends, but they definitely get along from what I know and certainly I think can be very complimentary to each other on the court. Um, especially if they have the right pieces around them. So I don't think there are any issues there. So did I just play the role of guy trying to make a, a big story out of nothing? Was I the WEI in this scenario? Yeah, you you took the WEI tweet to another level. You So you WEI'd WEI. I did get my start in this business working for WEI. Um the other story, more other nonsense that um, I wanted to say was that Chris Mannix, he, I actually read this story, reported that the Wizards were very upset with the Celtics for maybe giving them COVID and said the uh, Celtics flaunted COVID protocols and routinely go out last year, um, which is something I think Kevin O'Connor also talked about when uh, Tristan Thompson came after him uh, earlier in the year. I thought that was going to unite the team. Uh, it did for about two weeks, but it did not. Uh, I don't know, any reaction to Mannix reporting that the Wizards were uh, upset with the Celtics for giving them COVID? Uh, I am not going to really – I have no real reaction to that. Like, I love this game of putting Jay it, on the spot. It was, for, it was, uh, a, it was a pandemic. That situation will never happen again. So I don't think that should really 
be too concerning moving forward would be That's my reaction fair. to that. Jay does not dabble in uh, the rumor mill. He does not dabble in salacious uh, stories. He's a, he's pure facts. And that's why he is the Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. And that's why I am the professional sports fan. Uh, that's all I have to say about the topic, Jay. Is there anything else you want to say? The draft lottery, have any hot takes about the draft lottery or the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? I will enjoy reading James Edwards's work on Cade Cunningham. I, 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 I kind of felt like the Raptors deserve to jump to number one. I, I know you weren't a big Raptors jumping to the top of the lottery guy, but they had to play in Tampa Bay. They had to play away from home for an entire year. They basically all got COVID at the same time. And so they didn't trade Kyle Lowry when they could have. They they held on to their franchise star. I just felt like their jump into the top four was that was kind of basketball gods type stuff to me, if you ask me. And having Fred Van Vliet on the roster, Fred Van Vliet there, my guy Fred Van Vliet, there was no doubt <laughs> he was going to bring I mean, home a, a top four pick. I definitely don't think they should have got number one. They're still a very talented team, and it's kind of messed up when a playoff team basically gets the number one pick. They're going to get a very good player. It kind of worked out perfectly for them. I'll, they, I, they, I'll, I'll agree with you. The basketball gods kind of handed them a real raw deal by making them play in Tampa for the entire year. And so uh, if no one, there's no one who deserves to go up or down, but uh, I just didn't like seeing it because – the Raptors are good, and I don't like seeing them get better. But in, uh, from that perspective, yeah, I think they had a horrible year last year, and it's going to be interesting uh, to see if they can just jump back to um, kind of playoff contention because they were right there. Game seven with the Celtics, their roster really didn't change much other than losing Serge Ibaka. If they can add um, a kind of an impact player, uh, I think they're still going to be – I mean, obviously they don't have the star talent to be in the top team in the East, but I definitely think they're a playoff team next year. Uh, I thought that was uh, probably the most interesting part of the draft lottery um, other than uh, – yeah, I don't, I, I, nothing else really just, like stood out to me um, from that other than the Thunder not getting like a crazy amount of picks. Like I think the Thunder – Because still- they beat the Celtics. They should never have beaten the Celtics. That was such a bad decision to beat the Celtics. Just it's all Moses Brown. It all fault. came back to kick him in the ass. They would have gotten the number one pick, right? Like if they had lost one more game, they would have been second in odds, and they would have had the Pistons spot, and they would have had the number one pick. They blew it. The Celtics blew it for the Thunder. It's going to be wild. Well, basically, they're going to tank again next year, and they have a bunch of a bunch of first round picks again. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Kemba Walker. But uh, yeah, no, that was uh, kind of wild. For you think the the uh, Thunder are destined to get a, kind of get a top pick with all their uh, swings at it this year, and now they uh, we'll see if they trade up. I don't think anyone's. I don't. It seems like the Pistons are going to draft Cade, and I just don't know the rest of uh, the draft class that, uh, well enough, but. Um, the only other thing I have to say is that Jay Crowder, hell of an inbound pass. I mean, Incredible that guy is- inbounds pass. That one angle they showed from right behind his shoulder where you could see how close it was to the backboard. I didn't even know the rule that you could just offensive goaltend on an inbounds pass. Where, why have teams not utilized this before? I just, 
I don't understand it. The Suns like, did three years ago. The Celtics, ago every inbounds pass should just throw it right above the rim and just have Robert Williams just fly and get it dunked. Tell me, tell me why that shouldn't be an Ime Udoka's playbook. Tell me why that shouldn't be the only play in Ime Udoka's playbook. I've got no reason for you. If it's not an automatic dunk, it's going to be a foul. Like if you just have Jason Tatum stand a sideline out of bounds and basically take a shot and get it as close to the rim as possible, all Robert Williams has to do is touch it and guide it in. That should be one of the easiest plays in basketball. And so, uh, frankly, I think you're absolutely right. That should be a next sideline out of bounds play. Uh, what, what what a wild game that was where the Suns shouldn't have had an opportunity. Man, two missed free throws. Yikes. But they shouldn't even he have. So Paul well George shouldn't have been on the line. That was re- one of the worst out-of-bounds calls I've seen uh, ever. The fact that they reviewed that, clearly the spirit of the law, like the rule is Pat Beverly knocked that out of his hands. And to review that and be like, oh, he, Pat Beverly touched it, but it, it still remained grazed on Devin Booker's hands. And thus to reward the turnover, that was absolutely insane. And that was the biggest ball yeah, don't lie free throws I hate ever. That. I hate that. I know it's a polarizing take because – like technically that was off the Suns, but you, that happens every play, every game. Like the amount of times you could overturn that and say it's off the other team during during the course of a game is just way too many. So I think they should look at that and and there should be some sort of rule that if the ball sticks on your hand for like point zero 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 one seconds, then it, it just doesn't count. As, no one watching that live, or you should not be able to review it in slow motion. Like, no one watching that live would have thought, oh, that is uh, Clippers basketball. That's like clearly Pat Beverly got the touch and knocked it out of bounds. Like, that is a basketball play that happens all the time. And every single time, a thousand times out of a thousand, that should be remain with the Suns basketball. And and Pat Bev's his, his commitment to calling for replays is, is probably <laughs> unmatched. The guy. The guy would call for a replay no matter the situation. Doesn't even really have to be a close call, although obviously that one was. He'll just call for a replay and and demand demand that the refs hear him out. There were way too many freaking replays in that game. It might have it might have hurt the Clippers in the end because that replay with the point nine seconds left gave Monty Williams the time to draw up that uh, that play. If they just kind of called it, I don't think they had any timeouts left. I don't know if the Jay Crowder throws the m- most amazing inbound pass in the world uh, just on the fly. He needs some time to kind of cool his jets, get a FaceTime from Chris Paul. Chris Paul will tell him, throw him in the hoop, and his tremendous leadership will kind of propel the Suns forward. Without Pat Bev saying, review it, maybe none of that ever happens. It takes guts to throw that pass by Jay Crowder. Like, that was such a tough angle to throw that alley-oop. It, it had to be perfect. It really did. It was, and it was, it was an absolute perfect pass. It reminded me of Gerald Wallace. Remember when Gerald Wallace was with the Celtics and just had a string of like awesome inbounds passes, and he was always the guy. And I think Steven said basically like we have him as an inbound passer because he has the guts to to make those passes, and you got to have the guts. Jay Crowder has him. Jay Crowder, his teams always seem to do more winning than people expect. That's Jay Crowder. I mean, uh, Gerald Wallace passed it down to Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder did uh, threw a ball full length of the court into the hoop again when the Celtics played the Pacers a couple years ago. He clearly has the juice. He clearly uh, impacts winning. Uh, 
and he's been doing it his entire career. So I'm, I'm always going to be a Jay Crowder fan, mostly because uh, he granted me an interview one time. A one, the only one-on-one interview I've ever done uh, was with Jay Crowder. So big uh, moment for Jam the journalist. That was my that was the peak of my journalistic career. Um, thank everyone who's been on the YouTube live stream. Thanks everyone for listening on the podcast. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. We we got to talk about your pickup run the other day when you had allegedly eight straight wins. Oh, we were glorious. I almost got. I didn't get. I almost didn't get picked up. And like the, I saw the guy who had next, and I saw one of his last his five go uh, like left for some reason. I was like, I know you need a fifth guy. And he's like, are you going to play fucking defense? And I said, that's all I got, baby. And we ran that we like ran teams off the court. Everyone else. It was not me. I played a great weak side help defense. That's all I did. I started the break, but we had two track stars who were just running and it was pick up in this uh, summertime. People are not running. So if you get like two guys on your team, who are just willing to bust their ass on the fast break every single time we got so many fast break buckets. That's all I did was like deflect the ball and start the break. And it felt good compared to to win eight in a row. Great feeling. Last week, I got kicked in the nuts and had game uh, basically yammed on me. And the, just the contrast of those two feelings was uh, amazing. So uh, if anyone wants to play, starting at five, Ringer Park in Austin, come out. Um, have me on your team. I will. If I'm the least talented player on the team, that's successful. That's the best. That's the ideal situation for me. I want to be the glue guy who's not relied on to do anything on the offensive end. There you go. Mr. Glue guy. That, that, that's what they call me. Actually, uh, no one bothered to learn my name. They just called me Green. So uh, ask around Green. That That's the guy that you want in your team. <laughs> All right, Jay, before we go, I just have one question to ask you. Uh, is Nia Long potable? Yeah, I mean, you potted it. Back. Potable! I didn't have one for the end of that one. <laughs> I had to make it up. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.